Hello, you're listening to the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. I'm Ian Kyo, and today I'm joined by Una O'Hagan of the Mars Pharmacy Group. Una, you're very welcome. Thank you, Ian. Thanks now, million for inviting me on. Not at all. Delighted. We're going to talk about lots of things yeah. today. We're going to talk about the importance of customers, the importance of asking for help, strategies for developing businesses. But before we do that, let's just talk about your own business journey briefly uh-huh. and how you took Mars Pharmacy from one outlet to nine in a relatively short space of time. Yeah, well, um, I'm a qualified pharmacist by profession. Um, come from the hills of Tyrone, Ian, and came down to Trinity to study pharmacy. And that's a four-year degree course. And after that, you've got to, I suppose, work with a tutor pharmacist for a year before you get your professional examination. So um, I chose, you could either go to industry, hospital or community. And I chose community um, just because I like interacting with people more than anything. And... Um, so I had, to, I had to find a tutor pharmacist in the community setting and I just happened to be living in the Dublin 4 area at that time um, as a student and I knew Pierce's Pharmacy. I used to go in there, get my bits or whatever. Always liked and this the, is Pierce Marr. Pierce Marr, yeah. Yep. And always liked the atmosphere in the store and um, and one day I picked up the courage to ask him to be my tutor. It was like asking him to go on a date to be honest with you. And um, luckily he said yes. Luckily he said he yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's how I was introduced to Mars and I suppose from the day and hour that I said my um, foot across the threshold as in working there I just fell in love with the store I fell in love with the community it's in the customers it's a real diversity of customers um, and more there was just so much heritage to the shop it was his family business since the 1920s they used to live above it and um, it was a huge part of the community so people would say I'm going to Mars as opposed to I'm going to the pharmacy Um, so that's you know and I really bought into that you clearly fell in love with it so much that a couple of years later you bought it yeah well I always I always said to him, you know, if you're ever um, looking to sell the pharmacy, would you let me know? Not, never thinking anything of it, really. Um, I just thought that there was so much opportunity that maybe he wasn't availing off um, and 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 didn't want to. And then I suppose after that one year working with him and get my professional exam, I went off and worked for um, multinationals. And so I could see what he was doing really well and what they were doing really well and wherein lay the opportunities. And then one day I found out he was selling the shop approached him, he told me what the offer was that he had on the table it was from a multinational. I asked him if I matched the offer, could would he sell it to me? And he said he would. Um and therein I went on a search for money because I didn't have any money at that time. And um anyway, and between the jigs and the reels ended up getting the money from a bank um and uh was able to give him the same offer as had he had been offered and uh, I suppose my dream came true. And yeah, and from that moment I suppose um I changed a lot of things in Bagger Street. I suppose it was taken it from that traditional um, pharmacy setting to, um, I suppose, a new era, really. Um, new brands, new services, extended the opening hours, all of that. And very quickly, I suppose, my ambition grew, to be honest with you. And um, and I've gone on to either... So that, was, that was 2001. That was 2001, were, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and since then, you've you've built up a rapidly expanding chain in different locations. Yeah, different locations. Nine stores now at the minute with the online store as well. Um and I suppose that's it. They're all in very different locations, all in Dublin. Um, so one in the, um, the Matter Hospital, some that are on kind of what you would call high street, others that are very much within a community setting, you know, in residential areas. So the customer profile in all nine stores is all very different. Um, you know, we are underneath the Google building, for example, in Barrow Street. That 
Google customer is very different to who we would see through our doors in the Matter Hospital, obviously. So I guess even though we are seen as a group or a chain of pharmacies, I very much tailor, I suppose, the ser- services and the products to suit the customer. And that's core to our to what we do. Before we move on to some of the insights, I just want to ask you about one yeah. thing, which is yeah. the decision to keep the name yeah. uh, the Mara. So, you, yeah. you know, you, you roll that out across all of the other outlets. Were you tempted at some point to put your own name over the shop, so to speak? Well, to be honest with you, it was a decision that I didn't take lightly. I went and actually spoke to Pierce about this because at the time when I bought Mars on Bagot Street, it really was important for me to retain the name because it was a huge part of the heritage there. Um, and as I said, people used to say, I'm going to Mars as opposed to the pharmacy. When I opened the second pharmacy, which was actually in Ranla, I felt it was close enough that the name would travel and I did go to see him and he did actually try and persuade me to change the name because it's very hard to pronounce it some people call it Meagers Meagers all different <laughs> pronunciations of it but um, but it was important to me I suppose because he gave me my leg up um, you know he could have sold to a multinational much quicker than waiting for me um, I feel he's a huge part of my journey and and it's important for me just to retain um, so that identity, it's, I guess. It's a, it's a lovely story. Now, be, before we, we spoke today, I asked you to identify a couple of insights that you've yeah. gleaned over your journey. Yeah. And so it was, it was a couple of striking out with me, but one was this phrase, obsess over your customers. Yeah. I mean, lots of people always talk about the importance of customers, but it seemed I've been in any number of your shops. It seems to me it really is a core part of the success of the business. Yeah, well, that, I mean, without our customers, you know, we don't have a business. It's as simple as that. What you were saying before about tailoring the yeah. model to the different people so that it's mm-hmm. not you walk into a you know a generic multinational pharmacy they're all the same mm-hmm. you know yeah. exactly how it's laid out you're, you're trying to do it differently we, we we absolutely do it differently and we allow our team I suppose to take a steer on it as well in terms of what our customers are asking for and we'll always let them have some um, I suppose we would empower them to make a decision on some of the merchandise that we would stock that would be relevant to their customers but we, we look at all of the analytics in terms of what is our customers in that particular store purchasing and we will tailor the offering to suit them. We also have a loyalty programme um, so, which allows us to identify what type of customers we have in each area and what is their spending patterns and again we would reflect our merchandise and our services based on that. So we do a lot of in-depth engagement with our customers I suppose a lot of customer surveys we ask them all of the time for feedback particularly on social we have a very engaged social following and we would ask them you know what is it <coughs> always ask them you know what it is that they would like to see in a particular store and and they're not shy in telling us I suppose is the main thing and and then we would react to that um, because I think that is what makes us different that you know it isn't very clinical when you come into our stores it it might be a bit um, not as streamlined I suppose in the offering but what we really want to, you know any you can pick up the same products let's call it spade a spade in any pharmacy really yeah what's different about us is whatever products we have on the shelf, our point of difference is that our people are trained and educated in selling those products. So it's not about actually the products, it's about the information behind it, how to use it, what's the most appropriate product for you, what's the most relevant product for you. So really, we engage our people and we engage your customers in deciding what products to stock and what services to provide in each of the locations, yeah. It's really interesting when you say that about this the data-driven exercise because yeah. it's not something you might traditionally assume yeah. with, you know, a pharmacy business. Yeah. But you're you're monitoring what people are buying, you're, yeah. you're, you're manoeuvring that. Even the, 
the loyalty program, which is which is great value for customers, but yes. it's also giving you insights into spending Absolutely. patterns and consumer behaviour. Absolutely, yeah. And like most of our decisions, obviously we make some decisions based on gut as well, but a lot of them are data driven. Um, and that's... And can you see that reflected in how the business does? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we would monitor... Um, <laughs> so many different statistics whether it be the loyalty program whether it be our EPOS data whether it's our dispensary data all of that kind of feeds into I suppose we have a business intelligence tool that sits on top of all of that data that extracts it all and gives us I suppose information in a dashboard type of um, format that allow us to make business decisions really quickly and it's live so I can see now what's happening in each of the stores at this very minute so it's not like it's looking at just last week and that gives us a huge amount of agility to turn things on uh, or to turn things off very very quickly it feeds into our marketing campaign obviously and um, and it, it just I, I suppose that gives us we don't have to wait for information to come out at the end of the week and then that be passed over a board to make a decision to you know yeah. w- what we have as agility we can just make that decision then and there based on the live information that's really good and another point it kind of it feeds into something you were saying there but it's this idea that business is all about your own people as well and yeah. clearly you put an immense amount of effort into training and upskilling yeah. the people who you, you have yeah. within your team yeah well first and foremost I would say to it, it's really important to get the right people that would suit our business um, and I suppose that goes for every business but and is, that, is, that a, is that a big thing So yeah, you, that's a huge you know, thing for us I remember huge. speaking to you before and you were saying you were in interviews and interviews and interviews trying yeah. to Trying to yeah. trying to get the right person. Yeah, because I think that if if the person doesn't reflect your core values of what it is that who you are, your DNA as a company, then there's always going to be a misfit, and um, and you're always going to have a struggle getting people to uh, buy into the vision that you have and the journey that you want to go on. So we really look for people who display the qualities that we're really looking for and at the end of the day we're a pharmacy people come into us because either they A they're sick or B they have a loved one that's maybe sick okay we have some people who want to treat themselves to a lipstick or something like that but on the mass people are coming across the door because somebody is ill in their household and so empathy caring kind being able to engage with people up from a variety of different ages is really, really important. So we take a huge amount of time in getting the right people, I suppose, that display those qualities. Um, and then you're right. People say, you know, you spend a huge amount of time training in a, you know, what happens if you just spend all of that time and they leave? Well, what happens if you don't spend that and they stay? Um, because, as I said, Ian, it is not just about the products that we sell or the services. It's actually about the education behind that. That's what makes us different. That's why people will come in to us as opposed to going to one of our competitions because they know they'll get actually a person to tell them how to use the product as opposed to having just to pick up. We're not a self-pick-up supermarket model. We're very much, can I explain to you what it is that you you have maybe? Maybe it's a skincare condition that they have. Here's all of the different alternatives that can help you. And then we let the, the customer decide. We give them an informed choice. And it's really about imparting our knowledge to them so that they have the knowledge and they can make the decision around the product or the service that they need. You mentioned something there, and I think it's another insight that we're going to talk about now, which is which is this idea of vision and strategy. Uh, and you spoke about trying to get your colleagues and the people working with you and for you to buy into that strategy and to feel part of it. How, how do you do that? Because it's a big thing I think many entrepreneurs feel. They have this real core vision for what they want to do with the business. Mm-hmm. 
but there's, sometimes there's a disconnect between getting everyone else to buy into it. Yeah, I think it's all about engagement of your people and spending time with them, um, setting the top line vision and seeing if people agree with even that. And then it's about engaging them into the how are we going to get there um, and breaking that down. And, you know, and sometimes they will have much better ideas than I will have, to be honest with you. You know, it's about setting the overall objective and they, then they'll come up with the ideas on how. And then once it's their ideas, of course, they're much more involved and of course they're involved in the journey and, and they want, you know, to see the success. I think the big mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make, and I know this from myself from previous years and starting out, was coming up with all these Herbian ideas maybe that I would have had and, and almost that's what we're going to do now and and setting it and it's like we're doing that no matter what you think or whatever and not listening to our people back. So it's really important, I think, as any leader in any business to spend most of your time actually listening um, to so that your people can say, well, I, I think this is a good idea, but actually how we're going to do it is not really the way that you think I think we need to do it this way or that way or have you considered this or have you considered that and then once you get all of those ideas and have all of that engagement process then everybody, you'll find that most people, 99% will be going in the same direction. There might be always a few that are kind of off the beaten track but on the whole you'll have everybody on the journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, that kind of thing, that that capacity I suppose, Una, to embrace that change. Mm-hmm. So you talked about I mean, hair-brained ideas but there are lots of ideas that might seem that way but if you implement them, they might actually have a utility or a profitability for your company. Yeah. I think it's, it's, mm. is, is it something to be really flexible? And you've spoken about flexibility and agility. But yeah. That ability, I suppose, to embrace change. Well, just to be even open to change. That's the key thing, I think. You know, um, that is the constant thing that is happening now today. And the pace of change is so huge. Um, really? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, customer behaviours, their shopping behaviours, what they want, what they need, what they think they need straight away. Um, it, it, it's just so hard to keep up with it, um, particularly in the retail element of our business. So um, you have to be open to change and you have to be open to how a customer would behave in a store or do they want to shop online or, you know, just to be really, um, I suppose, the way that you think it's going to work is never the way it's going to work. I suppose that's my key learning that I found. But that's not to say that the way that it will work is any worse than what you had anticipated. It's usually actually much better. So if you're if you're open to change, um, it may not be the road that you think you're going to travel, but you'll get there in the end, is yeah. what I would say. And the other thing, I mentioned it at the start, but I think one of the things you identified was the ability to always ask for help. Yes. Because I think so many people feel, you know, yeah. I'm the leader... I can't show any sign of weakness. I can't yeah. go off and actually say, I have a problem that I can't solve. I need yeah. some help. Yeah. Is that something that you've you've come across? Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, again, at the beginning, I would have been really, I, I suppose I would have had, I would have been my own worst enemy in thinking I had to know all the answers. And I suppose I've learned that it's not possible for me to know all the le- answers. Like I'm a trained pharmacist. I'm not, say, for example, a trained accountant. I'm not, um, I never did any marketing in my degree. So there's skills that I don't have. I might think that I know some of it, but actually... It's really important to hire really good talent around you that's much better than what you are. So my job really is, I feel, is just to make sure that to be the leader, I suppose, and to get all everybody working together um, and to set the strategy and to lead the strategy. But like they are much more skilled at actually the how bit and, and how we're going to actually do it. And I need to 
I suppose I would be quite controlling and I've, I, sometimes I just need to let go and let them get on with the job and trust that they can can do that. Um, and then in relation to just asking for help, 100%, there would be lots of times that I would have kind of got myself into a pickle not knowing what to do. And instead, um, I would have nearly battened down the hatches and tried to steam through it as opposed to phoning up somebody and saying, listen, I've got a problem. Can can you help me out? And I'm not talking about necessarily maybe my colleagues in pharmacy, but even wider networks, business networks. Um, so I think it's really important to get involved in so many other networks as well. Just yeah, and you've been heavily involved with the Small Firms Association and championing SMEs. Yeah, well, I think once you get involved with anybody else, it doesn't matter what the business is. We all have the same problems, usually around people, around finance, around, you know, it's all the same issues. So the more networks that you get involved in, the more people you will meet. And therefore, the more stories you will hear, the more challenges you will hear about and the more successes. And you will be able to pick up the phone to people whenever you don't know what direction to go in. So and the challenge is actually facing the fear and picking that up and putting your ego to one side and and admitting to yourself I actually don't know what and, to and do and admitting yet. that you can't fail at times absolutely and that's fine and if you don't fail to be honest with you you're not pushing yourself hard enough um, because you know you have to be able it's to it's a great f- phrase actually if you don't fail you're not pushing yourself hard enough yeah I think you're staying in your comfort zone you're just being too cautious and I would say that to my team all the time it's okay to fail the key thing is to know, okay, look at it and see where did it fail? What did it get wrong? Learn from your mistakes. Um, put chalk that down to experience so that you can use that experience in the future as well. But if, you, if you're if you not failing, I think, honestly, you are staying too cautious. Now, that's not to say that I would be reckless or anything like that. So I would make as many decisions as I can based on facts, based on the analytics and the numbers. But sometimes you just have to trust your gut and go for things as well. Because... Therein lies the the golden opportunities that you kind of go, oh, my God, how did we get on this path? Wasn't that so lucky? Sometimes it's not luck at all. You actually know you've got that gut feeling something's going to come out of this. But if you don't push beyond that fear, you're never, ever going to know. And and finally, briefly, you know, this idea of giving back, I think it was one of the things you identified. (laughs) Yeah. uh, you know, when we were talking beforehand, is this always remember to give back? And it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a nice sentiment, but yeah. it also can have an impact for your business as well, a positive one. Oh, absolutely. I think that, well, when I think that the amount of people who extended a hand to me um, to give me a, a, a leg up and get me on my way, um, I wouldn't be where I am today without that. And I'm very, very conscious of that. I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so I always, always try to either mentor or support other entrepreneurs um, and share my experiences you know you know, good and bad so that they may learn from my experiences and also just for my team I mean they go way beyond um, their call of duty um, for our customers to always give back to them as well to show our gratitude for their loyalty um, and then the wider social network within our communities and, and even our work with Peter McFerry Trust in terms of trying to do a bit of, around the homeless crisis here in Ireland I think the last thing that you know whenever I'm on my deathbed I want to be able to say well I did something good for society I try to make some sort of a difference and whether I can use my voice or my business or our people in order to do that then I think that's a good day's work I think that's a lovely way to close it out and thank you very much for joining me here today it's really interesting and best wishes for the business going forward because it's been an incredible journey if you think about it going from you know 
asking for an internship to yeah. buying the company to expanding it. So yeah. uh, it's been a, it's been a great it's been a great success. You. I hope you've enjoyed it yeah. along the way. Those yeah, those well, there's some hairy days. <laughs> I won't lie to you, but um, yeah, on the whole, I jump out of bed in the morning. Every day is different, and uh, the most important thing that I love is actually just interacting with people. And I love the diversity and meeting different people every day. It's really interesting, and um, and that's what gets me a buzz. And um, and I hope I can do it for as long as I can. You know. Okay, well, look, thank you very much for joining me here on the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. 